How much does it cost to start an RIA? That is today's question on the transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 84. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. If you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available to help you better understand the, the model. Uh, this entire series is in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers. Again, all kinds of resources to help you understand the RIA model and what it might mean for your practice. Again, transition to RIA.com. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a question I get asked fairly often, you know, hey, okay, if this RIA model makes sense for me, well, how much is it going to cost me to, to start an RIA and transition my practice into it? And and that's an important question to be asked or asking. Uh, and it's and it's certainly part of the conversation I typically have with advisors that are exploring the model, but it's not an easy question to answer. And certainly not, I can't come on an episode like this and just say, oh, it is exactly $11,200 or whatever the, whatever the case may be, because there's so many different variables involved uh, in starting an RIA and uh, what often drives the answer is is the advisor's current practice profile and what they hope to do with it going forward so that, that there can be significant differences from someone that's literally not an advisor now that wants to become an advisor via the RIA model and basically be starting from scratch. That has one cost structure to it, whereas a $700 million team with multiple people on the team uh, and, and is going to need, uh, you know, fairly large office space or, or whatever, uh, that's going to have an entirely different cost structure. So again, there's not just one simple, here's the number, uh, as long as you can plan for that, then you're good to go. Uh, there are a lot of variables involved. But what, so what I want to do on this episode is talk about what many of those variables are. So you can start to kind of pencil some of these, you know, factors in. And, and if you were to try to map out what that cost structure would look like and what it would take to get going for your particular practice. Again, that's something I help advise with. Happy to have that conversation with you is, is exactly what would it look like for your practice. But, but here we're going to go over a number of those variables. So you can kind of start to do that exercise yourself as well, if you'd like. So there's, uh, and this is not going to be an exhaustive list of every possible expense that could be involved in starting an RA, but it it is it is going to touch on some of the main key pieces. And and oftentimes, how I'll try to frame that conversation, frame that answer, is to is to put them into kind of two main buckets. And and we just at one point came up with the terminology, whether it's the greatest terminology or not. But essentially, the first bucket is what I what I have to refer to as day one expenses. So basically. What costs are there? What expenses are there to get you to day one of the RIA to be able to essentially turn the lights on on day one? What are the costs you need to have, have kind of uh, absorbed up to that point just to get started on day one? And then and then essentially what are a lot of the costs on day two and beyond, if you will? So I'm going to kind of give some examples of both of those costs. But again, I'm bucketing them day one and, and kind of day two and beyond. So on, on day one, uh, obviously one of the, the more uh, 
the cost that comes to mind is, is the actual registration of the RIA itself. Now, I've done a number of episodes on this process and how long it takes and the rough cost of it and how you hire. There's compliance consultant firms that you hire to help with this process. Now, you're not required to hire anyone. In theory, you could attempt to do it yourself, but that would not be a good use of your time. Uh, and you're almost assuredly going to, to do it incorrectly because it's a very uh, kind of detailed process and it's just money well spent. And if you're not willing to spend the money to help get help set up the RA from a registration standpoint, you probably shouldn't be going down the RA path to begin with. Um, but that is that is one of the typical day one costs is obviously you can't go live with your new RA, your new firm until it's been registered. So that one time exercise with the compliance consultant firm and in, and in the various episodes I've talked on that topic, and I'll, I'll just give a, a, a brief thought here. Uh, there's kind of two things you're paying the compliance consultants for. And this, this uh, overlaps the day one and day two and beyond. One of those things is again, a one-time exercise, a one-time fee of, of registering the actual RA itself. So that's ADV creation. That's policies and procedures manual. That's advisory agreement. That's filing it with the state or SEC, depending on your circumstances. So that there is a cost to that. For some folks, just to give some general numbers, if you're just starting out from scratch, that that might be as low as the four to seven thousand range. And if you're a much larger practice with a much more complicated situation and maybe even need to bring in uh, legal help to help with navigating away from your, your current firm, it could run three, four, five times that amount, again, depending on what your circumstances are. So it's a pretty big range, but it is a cost that needs to be absorbed upfront to get the RIA registered. So that's the first kind of day one cost is the RIA registration. Uh, next is office build-out costs. Now, this is another example where, where this can vary dramatically. Now, there are some RIAs that are fully remote, fully virtual that work from home. And in that case, you would not have an office space. Uh, there are others that have very elaborate offices in very elaborate locations. That's going to have a much higher cost. And so part of if you go down that path, Part of that cost is the build out of that empty space. And so you might come across office space that is, you know, move in ready where, where it is all the walls are already where, where they should be and it's all decorated and it's move in ready and you like the setup. Obviously, that will lower some of your your kind of day one cost. But to the degree you need to take kind of more of a shell of a space and you need to partition walls and that sort of thing, obviously, there's going to be some build-out costs with that. Now, oftentimes, you can work with the landlord and try to get maybe credits from them to go towards the build-out cost. And so there's there's ways to try to mitigate that cost. But again, if you do want kind of that more traditional or even elaborate office setup, there are going to be those day one costs to get you to that point of, of getting started. Uh, I did do a whole different episode on how you can try to minimize your office expense costs. So if you want to check that out, uh, you, you can look into that episode as well. But that is a, if you were going to have an office, at the, the build out, uh, again, unless you do move in ready, is typically a day one expense. Now, related to that, even if you build it out or it's move in ready, or you do build it out and you put in walls where they need to go, you then need to furnish it and you need to put uh, your IT hardware. So you're going to need laptops or maybe printers or monitors. So there's that kind of day one cost, again, to get going as well. So you have the office, now we need to furnish it, and we need to put in, among other things, IT 
uh, hardware into the space. Again, that's a day one cost. But if you're going to have an office, you need that from day one. Uh, and certainly you're going to need your, your technology or your laptops and everything from day one, regardless of whether you have an office or virtual. So again, day one cost is the furnishings and IT hardware that might need to go into that as well. Um, another day one cost is your errors and omissions insurance, E&O policy. I've done a couple episodes on this. You can learn more about it if you want. But the short of it is that most custodians, not all, but most custodians now require that you have an E&O policy. Uh, besides the fact it is a best practice to have it regardless, uh, in most instances you are required to have it. So that would be a required upfront cost to get that policy in place on day one. Again, I've done uh, additional episodes on that. Just search for E&O on the website. Uh, you can find it. That's a day one cost. And then the last day one cost I want to talk uh, mention, and again, this is not an exhaustive list, but is whatever sort of website or marketing uh, you plan to do. Now, this is one you can kind of have some control over because uh, a big uh, motivation for advisors that move into the RE model is often they want much more flexibility with how they can market their services, whether they can actually use their own brand for the first time, perhaps, or the types of ways they want to market their services. Maybe they want to do webinars or they want to do white papers or, or, or whatever the case is. There's a whole world available to you out there, and, and the flexibility is, is almost assuredly much greater than where you are at now, particularly if you have the, the traditional broker-dealer type firms. And so that's a wonderful thing. However, all of that can cost money to implement. So I, I always suggest to people, okay, hey, have the vision, uh, kind of think through how you want to market your services. And by the way, that will evolve over time anyways, but what, whatever your initial vision is, the good news is you don't have to implement all of that for day one, right? You, you don't have to get all the bells and whistles in place for the day one. Now, what you do generally want and need to have is at least, for instance, a website. Because as you go and launch the firm and you're talking to your existing clients, they're going to want to see the validity of this new practice. And you're going to need that professional looking website uh, from day one. So again, that that kind of part of the, the quote-unquote marketing has to be done, has to be ready. Uh, that can include things like a logo, uh, those sorts of things. Um, but some of the other bells and whistles, again, some of the other the social media tools you, you plan to maybe use, to, to you can kind of push those out some because initially you're going to be just working on transitioning your existing clients. You don't have to have some of the growth tools in place on day one that will become important. That That is maybe one of the main reasons you're making this move is to be able to make videos or, or whatever the case is. But on day one, just keep it essentially as simple as you can, but it needs to be professional looking as well. So like a website is a must on day one uh, for your clients to be able to see what you're now doing with your new practice. So that's just some examples of day one costs. And again, you, you can understand why there's a range there. Again, the, the office situation could go from almost zero to, in theory, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that that, that is a big range. Uh, the RA registration, you, you, there's not much flexibility. Just depending on your circumstances, it's going to be roughly a particular cost. Uh, office furnishings, again, the more elaborate you go, the more expensive it gets. So there, there's the point being there's there's some some things you 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 don't have much control over. E and O policies are generally pretty static. Uh, RA registration is generally pretty static, but then you do have costs 
control over some of the more elaborate parts of the practice. Again, all these are day one expenses. So then to give you just an, an idea of some of the, the what we'll call day two and beyond expenses, those ongoing expenses of running an RA, just, just run through a couple examples of that. So uh, the first one we talked about getting the RA registered, and that's a one-time exercise, a one-time cost. However, you, if you have your own RA, are now responsible from a regulatory perspective for the compliance of that RA. Now, you, as a practice and financial advisor, are not a full-time compliance professional, nor do you ever care to be a full-time compliance professional. But someone on the team has to be the named chief compliance officer. That is required for every RIA. So the question is, well, whoever that is, which is typically just someone wearing multiple hats, well, how are they going to manage that responsibility? How are they going to fulfill their responsibilities that's why you engage the compliance consultant firms, typically the same firm you use to set up the RA in the first place, register it in the first place. You engage them on an ongoing basis to help you stay compliant and all the things you need to be doing throughout the year. And as new rules come along, uh, how that works. And that is typically structured as a monthly or quarterly, sometimes even yearly fee on a going forward basis. It is one of the necessary costs of, of running an advisory firm. And so, the, so effectively on the on the proverbial day two and going forward, you will need to be paying that cost uh, to to help you with that, help you maintain uh, or fulfill your responsibilities. And there's all different price points on that. Uh, the more you're willing to pay, the more the compliance consultant firms are willing to do for you. Most compliance consultant firms, kind of on this going forward service, have kind of tiered levels: the proverbial bronze, silver, gold. Um, and so, it depends on your circumstances would determine kind of where you might appropriately slot into those tiers. Then the brand new startup advisor is going to have a totally different situation than the $700 million team is going to have and, and what their needs are going to be. So, but it is a cost on a going forward basis of starting and running an RIA. Uh, another meaningful cost from kind of day two forward is for your technology. Now, I've done a whole separate episode on what is a third-party technology stack. So it is uh, fairly typical in the RA space, if you have your own RIA, uh, that you are using third-party technology or third-party technology stack. And what that means is, you, while your custodian might provide some degree of technology, in many cases, there's, there's, a, there's an, a layer of third-party technology solutions separate from the custodian that you have put together into a quote-unquote stack uh, that is part of running your practice. Now, there are, and this is, this is a kind of a welcome innovation in the industry, there are some custodians that are now supplying more and more of that technology as part of their offering, and it's something worth considering and say, hey, is that a solution for me? Is that a, maybe a way to control costs? or just have a more integrated experience. So that does exist, but to the degree you're using that more traditional third-party technology stack, and by the way, there's pros and cons to using third-party, there's pros and cons to using technology with a custodian. So I always say there's no golden goose, everything has you know, trade-offs, pros and cons to it, it's worth understanding what those are and how they differ. But with that third-party technology, if you're using that, obviously there's a cost to that. So what am I referring to? I'm talking about things like portfolio management tools, CRM, financial planning, uh, those typically, the reason I didn't mention them in day one is typically those are more priced on a going forward basis. Now, if you needed some sort of 
data integration, maybe from an old CRM, there could be some upfront costs, some day one costs, but typically most of the cost of third-party tools is on a going forward basis. And it's usually priced out monthly or quarterly, again, potentially yearly, but it's it's usually broken up in smaller chunks. And some of the some of the more elaborate tools like portfolio management, oftentimes you can even get a couple months of the first couple months for free as part of signing up and 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 gonna use that tool in your technology stack. So that can help you oftentimes during the transition to kind of keep costs low to potentially have a couple months of for free. But that is a an ongoing and a going forward cost. Again, that will range significantly as well. Depends on how elaborate the tools are that you want to use, how many tools you want to use. Uh, so again, that can be arranged, but that's almost assuredly, no matter what your circumstances is now, you're going to have some amount of technology cost, again, kind of day two going forward. And then the last two I would just mention on that day two going forward, two of the biggest costs of running an RIA just on an ongoing basis. So one is the, the office expense. So whether you are paying rent for the office you've built out, or maybe you've even acquired a property and maybe maybe you have a loan on it. Uh, that is obviously a large cost on an ongoing basis that you, that you effectively start day two and going forward. Again, could range significantly from if you have a fairly modest office, or if you want a very extravagant office and maybe the, the, the largest office tower in town, that's going to have a much higher price point. But that is an, uh, a meaningful expense for any independent practice is that office. Um, and then the, the final kind of big piece is your staff. So the, the depends on how many people you have on your staff. If you have just one person, that's that's obviously one price point. Or if you have a team of 10, that's going to be a different price point. So that office expense and staff expense are kind of two of the biggest expenses associated with running an independent practice, uh, which by the way, for some of you, if you are already independent, perhaps with an independent broker dealer, you likely are, are almost assuredly already have your own office. So that day one expense of build out might not apply to you. You uh, almost assuredly already have your own staff. Uh, so you're, you're already paying those expenses. So so for some of you, depends on where you're coming, you're not going to have as many of these startup costs because they're things that you've already implemented, implemented into place. But if you are coming from a captive W2 wirehouse type environment, most of these are going to be new expenses for you. Now, with that, that dovetails into a point I wanted to make. Don't, don't be intimidated by any of this or don't think, oh my gosh, this all is going to cost so much money because the reality is all of these things you are paying for now. Uh, as an example, if you're at a wirehouse firm now, you are paying for the office, you're paying for technology, compliance, staff. You are already paying for that. It's just in your payout. I, I talk a lot about that. You have to take the inverse of your payout. That's what you're effectively paying for these things. For many of you that have large practices, that's a very large number, dollar amount that your firm is retaining from you every year to provide you with those services. And so part of this exercise is, can you put all these things together yourself, even though it seems like, oh, wow, I got to spend money on registration. I got to spend money on maybe office buildup. But if you are already paying hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, your firm now and that payout retention, that, that is a lot of, of uh, capital to work with to cover these expenses on your own. And generally speaking, you can do it for a lot less money, particularly if you if you control your costs well. So that's one of the, exa the example of the economic advantages of the RA model is your ability to, to control your P&L, your cost structure, and, and any savings you have versus what you're effectively paying for it now via your payout. 
flows right into your bottom line. So don't don't be intimidated by the process. Don't be intimidated by the cost. Uh, an example I, I give frequently, it's not as helpful anymore because of where interest rates are, but the, the idea of refinancing a mortgage. Uh, if you've ever refinanced a mortgage to get a lower interest rate, again, not, not a great example in today's environment, but the idea being that's not a fun process to go through that whole, the whole, you got paperwork, uh, you got back and forth, things get lost in the process. You got to maybe shop around to figure out which bank to use or which lender to use. None of that is fun. And setting up an RIA, a lot of it is not fun. It's a lot of work, just like it's refinancing a mortgage is a lot of work. But similarly, once someone has refinanced a mortgage, once they have that lower interest rate, once they're saving money in perpetuity going forward each month on their interest payments, no one ever looks back and regrets having gone through that kind of the hard part of the process because it was worthwhile for the, the results. And that result is now in place in perpetuity. It's the same thing with starting up your own RIA. There are costs involved. There's a lot of work involved. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But once you get over that hump, then your situation is significantly better off. Again, that's assuming that's the case. So I'm not going to give the impression everyone will be significantly better off. Part of what I do is help advisors understand what is your current situation? What would it look like in the RA space? And let's determine if you'll be better off to begin with. Some folks, it might not be the right fit. But if it is, and it's typically a meaningful improvement over what you have now, both economics and flexibility, that if you get on the other side, it is worth all of the process to go through of starting up the RA or moving into the model. So that's one thing. Don't, don't be intimidated by the process. Uh, also, not to give a sales pitch for me, but this is what I help advisors with. You don't have to be uh, overwhelmed by, oh gosh, what are all these variables? How am I going to figure this out? That's what I that's what I help advisors with. Again, if we get past the first part of the conversation, which is should you even be exploring this? Does this make sense for your practice? If it does, then we talk about well, what are the different pathways into this process, and then then eventually we talk about okay, well, who are the solution providers? It is all doable. There's 30,000 RAs out there. So many RAs have uh, come and done this before you. It's it's very doable. You just have to understand the process, understand the boxes you need to check, and you, and you kind of work through it. Uh, speaking of checking boxes, I do have a one-page checklist uh, that identifies the main variables you need to solve for if you were to want to leave your current situation and start your own RA. If you want that checklist, uh, just go to the website, transition to RA. My email's on there. Reach out to me. I'm happy to send it to you, but it identifies these main variables you need to solve for. Uh, and then the last thing I would just say is if you're still saying, wow, that's still a lot of pieces. I don't know that I want to do that. I like being a financial advisor. I don't necessarily want to piece together technology stacks and worry about compliance. But there are some wonderful, what I often refer to as bundled solution providers out there of all different flavors. So these are folks that have come along and said, hey, we recognize advisors, you want a lot of the benefits of the RA model, the better economics, the better flexibility, but maybe you don't want to have to manage all of these day one uh, variables and ongoing uh, components of running a, an, a, an advisor practice. So we bundled solution provider, again, that's the term I use, have, have bundled up maybe 80% of those things you need to do anyways, and we've packaged up for you. Here's why we think this is the best set of solutions uh, that are available out there and we price it all up, we do it all for you and, and here's the cost. Um, and so that is available to you as well. And there's all kinds of different flavors of how you could approach that. Happy to walk you through. Um, I've done some episodes on supported platforms, those sorts of things. So 
Um, just know that's available as well. So even if you feel intimidated by the thought of trying to figure all this stuff out or just, just don't want to do all those steps, you say, hey, I love being a financial advisor. I don't love some of the middle and back office tasks. Just know there are some wonderful solution providers out there now that, that can still help you get the benefits of the model and, and, and rather easily outsource a lot of that other stuff to someone else. So with that, I hope that's given you an idea of some of the startup costs and ongoing costs of running an RIA. So now maybe you can understand when someone asks me, you know, hey, how much does it cost to start an RIA? That's why I can't just give some single answer number dollar amount because there's so many variables involved and, and the variables can range significantly different depends on your practice profile versus someone else's. Uh, but I hope this has given you a little idea of, of what's involved in that. Uh, so like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA. This is the sort of thing I help advisors with is say, what is your current situation? What would the RIA model look like? If it makes sense for you, what are all these variables you need to be aware of and solve for to be able to transition your practice to it? Happy to have that conversation with you as well. If, as I said at the top, if you go to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can uh, find all the resources I make available. Again, this entire series is in video format, podcast format, I have articles, I have white papers. And at the top of every page is a contact link. If you click on that, you can instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me, whether you want to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA related, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Again, transition to RIA.com. With that, I hope you found value on today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.